You're listening to the Shamelessly Feminine Podcast, the place for the kick-ass woman who needs a kick in the ass. Your host, Jen Rosenbaum, is giving you the tools to shed shame and live the biggest life possible. So kick off your heels, get comfy, and get ready to be the boss of your life. Is there anything better in the world than a good laugh? I mean... I don't think so. (laughs) I think that laughter is definitely the best medicine. Laughter makes you feel good. It gets the juices flowing in your body. It connects you to people. And our guest today, Katie Spiesen, uses laughter and uses comedy to connect with people in and out of the workforce. So she's here today to tell us more about that. I'm so excited to share it with you. Katie, I'm so, so excited to have you here today. I could use a laugh. It's like beyond. Well, I am happy to be here. I'm a, I am I am to serve my lady, so... <laughs> it could not have come at a better time. Very good. So before we start, tell everybody who you are, and uh, I don't know, you better <laughs> say something funny. Cool. Um, <laughs> no pressure. No pressure. Uh, my name is Katie Sweetson. I am a uh, comedic storytelling trainer and strategist. I live in the Chicagoland area, and I'm kind of a jackass of all trades. Uh, I help uh, businesses... Uh, t- learn how to tell their stories uh, to gain customers and to retain customers. I also help um, individuals with public speaking. I run a comedy troupe in the Chicago area called the Mother Cluckers, which is uh, just a hootin' and delight. We, have, we take uh, 30 women from all over Chicago to basically bitch about their kids and little people they know uh, once a month. And last but not least, I host a podcast and vlog called The Bossy Cluckers, which is... Um, you know, for, for the business folk who, who want to know, uh, what's going on in, in entrepreneurial land. So yeah, that's what I do. You're not busy at all. Not at all. Not at all. (laughs) I also have two kids, but you know, they're fine. (laughs) Whatever. That's like an afterthought. (laughs) I figure like they're going to be in therapy anyway. So it's just good to give them talking points early. Like the day my one was like, mom, you never play with us anymore. And I'm like, but you're boring to play with. <laughs> Listen, yeah. if you can pay for therapy, you might as well get banged for the buck. Exactly. And, like, really no, and I didn't actually say that. I just thought that. I just thought, <laughs> God damn it. Because I, I don't know if you're at this... Uh, I know your kids are a little older than mine, but mine's at that point where she wants to play game, but she wants to play it 100% like the way she wants to play. She's like, mommy, you're the mommy. And then you're going to say this next. And right, right. This. And I'm like, bitch, you don't need me. Yeah, <laughs> I got stuff to do. It's so true. How, how old are your kids? Uh, seven and four. Yeah, mine are eight and 12. Yeah. So I have the, um, my 12-year-old is basically like, I'm going to talk and you're not. How about that? <laughs> For me, you know, it's like, can I, men- you, you, do you mentally get to check out though? Like, or do you have oh, to respond? God, no. Oh, that's the worst. God, no. No. Uh-huh. It's like, it's like she, she's at that age now. She's like throwing the things back at me. Like, you listen to me. I am speaking and I don't want you to interrupt me. And I'm like, uh, yeah, that's not going to fly here. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, that's it's adorable. It's only going to last another 10 years. So it's all okay. Yeah, no, you're fine. But, yeah. you know, it's, you know, four of those years, at least she'll, she won't physically be in your space. Right. Well, I, I, that's because I told her she has to go away to college. She's Absolutely. not allowed to stay home. Oh, God, no. <laughs> it's for you. Spread your wings. It has nothing to do with me. I love her. It's just a very special relationship, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so tell me. All right, here's the thing. When we mm-hmm. met, I told you that my husband doesn't think I'm funny. And he's wrong. 
Correct. Thank yes. you for putting that on the record. And he's wrong. So, <laughs> so what makes somebody funny? How do people, what makes somebody funny? Like what makes you laugh? What makes you think someone's funny? So, um, I have been involved in stand up uh, over for over 20 years off and on, which is not at all depressing for my age, but, um, no, but in all seriousness, uh, I truly believe everybody's funny in the fact that everyone has their own unique story and their own unique view on the world. And, it's sort of finding those moments that you find hysterical and sharing them in a, you know, sort of a fun way. And that makes everybody funny. So for example, some people will come up to me and be like, but Katie, I'm not funny. It's like, because they're setting the bar at, you know, Netflix level comics, like an Amy Schumer who has been working on this since God was a boy. Like, guess what? You're not, you know, Amy Schumer had to work her ass off to be Amy Schumer. You know, right. you work at stories and work at these things. So, um, so your husband's absolutely wrong. You're a hoot and a delight and neener, neener. Thank you. And hopefully he'll listen to my podcast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I do make people laugh. We just don't have the same sense of humor, you know, like senses well, of humor are different. Exactly. Exactly. Um, you know, and it can't always be just like, you know, fart and dick jokes. Like there has to be some nuance to some things, you know? So, um, you might be more of a storyteller where you're joking. Exactly. So that's, that's such a different art. And I'm not a one-liner. Like he's a one-liner. I'm like, now I'm going to tell you the story about this thing that happened with me and my daughter that by the way, isn't funny at all, Uh but we're going to turn it into something funny. Exactly. You're what I like to call a comedic slow burn. Mm, I like it. Yeah. So next time he says, it, be like, honey, I'm just a comedic slow burn. And you know, that, that in some ways, you know, one-liners are great they can really pop off and get the mood going, but it's a good storyteller is going to engage people longer and be more memorable in my humble opinion. Boom. Boom. Mic drop. (laughs) My computer just crashed. I'm calling back up your thing. Okay. Um, so I love that. And I love that, um, you use your comedy in business too. Like you, you figured out how to marry the two. So tell us a little bit more about that. Okay, cool. So, um, Long story short, I have been a storyteller my entire life. Like I said, I started stand-up in high school, did uh, more comedy in college. And after college, I worked behind the scenes in documentary television, which is obviously a big storytelling medium. I learned that sort of form of storytelling. Then I pivoted and I went and got my master's in ed and taught middle school for the Chicago Public Schools which was a blast because uh, my maturity level is that of an eighth grade boy. So it worked out <laughs> great for everyone. And then when my uh, oldest daughter was born, um, just going to put on a little political soapbox hat, because teachers don't make enough in this country, w- we did the math of daycare costs versus me staying home. And I had to stay home and it sucked because I missed my students. But in returning to the stand-up world and in talking to my friends who are in corporate uh, a lot of people started coming to me like, Katie, I'm having this really hard time. Uh, you know, I'm going to be giving a speech next week and I just don't know how to do it. Will you go over it with me? Or God, I'm so nervous. I have this client meeting, you know, I don't know how to connect. And so just sort of organically through talking to my friends, I started realizing I had, um, sort of a gift for helping people connect and communicate. So that is how, uh, my, Mother Clucker's comedy company began. I've done some speaking on the topics. I have some corporate clients now, individual clients. Uh, I'm most proud. I helped uh, a woman 
who was running for state senator in the last election here, sort of hone her message and hone her stories. And I get to have a lot of fun doing it. So that's amazing. Everybody wins. That's the one thing that I'm finding like over and over again doing this podcast is that Mm -hmm. everybody that really found their passion and Mm -hmm. what they're good at came Mm -hmm. out of a struggle. And you know, I talk about that, like struggle to success, right? Like you have to go through those down moments. Yeah. And everybody that I've talked to that has found this career, mm-hmm. um, and cause let's face it, this is a little bit of a niche career, right? Like you never yeah. would have been like, when I grow up, I want to be a hell no who teaches entrepreneurs how to connect. And exactly. Yeah. What, so, all the, it's what the little girls dream of. Yes, with their ponies. Is there a degree for that? Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so I, I think that that's uh, great that you acknowledge that. And I just want to kind of, um, like really point that out to people that are going through their own struggle right now that are, you know, want to quit a job or got fired or whatever it might be that, you know, for all these good things to happen, you have to go through that struggle. And you know, the struggle, I mean, the struggle continues, my girl, like, you know, it's for me, uh, you know, since I never has, have been in the traditional corporate space, uh, for me, one of the things that I'm working on right now is connecting with C-level clients, because I know I have this great strategy, this, this great product and this uh, great service. And, you know, for me, it's learning a brand new way of sales, which is also very exciting. Like I've got to give a big shout out to our mutual friend, Renee Rebar, who is a sales coach and she is amazing. So if you're having those moments where you're like, holy crap, what have I gotten myself into? A, realize that's everybody else and B, you know, you, you can, you can make it, you can do it. I feel like the answer is going to be no, but I'm not going to put words in your mouth. Do you okay. ever experience stage fright? Yes. All the fucking time, man. Yeah. All okay. Tell- damn time. <laughs> all right. Holy tell me about crap. that. Tell me. Um, how do you so that? I'm actually, I like to call myself a closet introvert because if left to my own devices, when this includes yesterday, uh, I would rather just hide by myself and put the t- blankets over my head and say, you know, no, thank you. But, um, a big way that I get over my stage fright, and this is actually one of the uh, the tactics I teach my clients, is this idea of owning a uh, a stage alter ego mm-hmm. or comedic alter ego. It's someone. It's sort of like uh, Beyonce is really well known for this. Um, she she created her character of Sasha Fierce a couple of years ago. And it's sort of this persona that she would embody before she would go out on stage to help her feel more dynamic, stronger, et cetera. And then as time went on, she realized, hey, I don't need this alter ego anymore. Yeah, yeah she it, is that person. She is that person. So yeah. another great, uh, Amy Schumer actually talks about it in her book, uh, The Girl with the Lower Back Tattoo. It's, you don't think Amy Schumer would ever have stage fright or anything, but, you know, she does and she did and... She worked through it. So if you have stage fright, A, you're not alone, and B, um, sort of a quick tip is think of some empowering uh, parts of yourself that if you if you were your buddy and not you, you would notice about yourself. And try to think, hey, you know what? I actually am very uh, – I am funny or I am a good connector or whatever – yeah. I think it's such good advice because people like you have stage fright, but people have like life fright. Yeah. Me <laughs> right. too. I have life fright as well. Yeah, we all do. Yeah, we all do. So I think it's like good advice even for life. That's why I asked you about the stage fright. Cause I think it just, you know, appears all the time in our lives that we have this like inner model. Yeah. 
Exactly. Like I said, yesterday, literally covers overhead around 2 p.m. I was like, you know, I'm just going to hide here for about a good 30 minutes. And it felt great. That's so funny. And I, and I love that you give yourself the space to do that. that yeah. You recognize that and you do it. And the, But the key is to, you know, eventually get out of that bed. And if you can't, seek professional well, that's, that's another podcast. <laughs> that's, another that's another specialist. Uh, <laughs> no, we're all getting out of bed. We're all getting out of bed. So talk to me a little bit about branding as your authentic self. Um, this is one of the key points that you said that we should speak about. And I would love to hear a little bit about that from your point of view. Okay. So we all live in this crazy world now of the Instagram stories, the Facebook, there's um, everywhere you turn, there is sort of this desire for people to know, especially if you're an entrepreneur, you are your brand, your brand is you. And that can be kind of exhausting. Like I said, I'm an introvert. I, for those of you who are not uh, familiar with the idea of introvert versus extrovert, an introvert is someone who gets their energy from being by themselves and an extrovert is someone who, you know, gets their energy being out with others. Um, so I find that a, a lot of times today people are expected to be perfect and be on, especially in social media, all across the channels all the time. And I find that if you brand as your authentic self and allow people, allow yourself to be a little messy and allow people to see you as messy, you're going to get two things. A, you're not going to get as burnt out because, I mean, Jesus Christ, I mean, I can't be bothered to, you know, change my shirt some days. Like, you know, that's, and that's cool. That's fine. Um, but the other thing too, is people will see you as real, mm -hmm. which makes them want to root for you, makes them want to engage with you. That being said, uh, know your audience. Like for my C-suite clients, I'm not showing up like in my sweats, like saying, hey guys, this is my authentic self. No, don't do that. Right. But you know. So by the way, this is like totally random, but I was at Target the other day and they yes. have, you know, like the clothing section and then they yeah. have like the pajama section. And <gasps> it was like kind of a thing, Katie, that like the clothes in the pajama section <laughs> were like, I was like, I can actually just wear these. No, they're, they're cute at the Target and comfortable. So comfy and cute. And they were cuter than their actual clothes. And I was like, why aren't these in the clothes section? Like you could just wear them to bed and then wake up and be ready. Yeah. You know what? And you know, you, you, you do you, honey. <laughs> You do you. I'm not saying I ever did that, maybe. Never. I don't know what you speak of. It might have happened once. It might have happened. <laughs> uh, yeah, I love that. I'm a big advocate of branding your authentic self as mm -hmm. well. Um, and, and you're awesome at it. Thank you. Yeah, you really are. No, like I'm good at being me. Yeah. <laughs> We're, you're the only <laughs> one we got, baby. You know, right? If you can't yeah. be good at being you. Yeah. No, but it's, you know what? This is the truth. It's not easy to just be you. Mm -hmm. and and I still go through moments where I'm like, should I put this out there? Should I say mm -hmm. this? Like, this is really what's happening today. Like, yeah. And I also find that doing that is polarizing. And that's so much as an entrepreneur, you want to be a mm -hmm. polarizing person because mm -hmm. you want to attract, like your vibe attracts a tribe. You want to attract yeah. that tribe. Ooh, and you want I people to hate you to be like, fuck off. I will see you later. Exactly. You know, there's, you know, and that's also, it's something that can be crippling and empowering. Like sometimes like I'll see... So I'll be like, think I have this great idea. And then I'll realize like three other people have already done it. And I go into my rabbit hole of shame. But then I'm like, but no one's done it like me. 
you know, and there's no, there's no authentic ideas. There's exactly. no new ideas. They're all taken. Yeah. They're all taken. Isn't there like a theory? There's only like seven ideas in the whole world or something. Probably. And everything Once is just like done a... four of them. And you're like, God damn it. Leave <laughs> some for the rest of us. Right. There's only like seven stories or so, you know, and everybody yeah, exactly, just keeps redoing yeah. them the way you do it. So, I mean, listen, the photography world is the same way. Like how many different ways can you click the shutter? Can you style mm-hmm. the client? Can you yeah. use the light? It's all been done. It's just a matter of doing it your way. So I love that. Can you tell us a funny story? Do you have a funny story to share with us? Oh God, do I have funny stories? Um, let's see. So uh, let's 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 try to make put it you on the spot. Sorry. Yeah, no worries. Um, my brain is just sorry. Let's talk about stage right. Boom, boom. Story. <laughs> and you know, interestingly enough, so some people are. And this is me as a storyteller. I um, like to keep stories in my back pocket for these type of moments because it can be awkward when you're like, tell me a story. What? So uh, today I'm going to tell you a little story about my daughter, Julia. My daughter, Julia, is now almost... All right. So this is... Actually, this is a recent story. This is what I haven't told yet. Boom. Let's try it out here. Uh, so Julia's nickname is Motorcycle to Mexico Julia. She's freaking insane. She's two and a half. She has no filter. She likes to run up to adults. So my my com- my uh, comedy troupe is called the Mother Cluckers, and she likes to run up to random women on the street with her little lisp and go, "Are you a mother clucker just like my mommy?" And people like look at her like, "What is child?" <laughs> she's got. I'm trying to paint the picture. She's got like giant fluffy hair. So like imagine just like a football helmet on like a little tiny person, and you have Julia. So she's nuts. So last week we're at the park and we are, her little best friend, Jonathan comes over and Jonathan's her boyfriend and he's on a bike and his little sister is on one of those power wheel ATV things. You know what a power wheel is? You know, the the kids ride them themselves. So Julia is chasing after them. And after a couple of minutes, that scary thing that happens to all parents happens, which is shit. I lost my kid. It's a big park. (laughs) I looked away for a second and she is gone. And so, you know, you know, you look around, you're seeing things. And then, you know, you reach that mild panic stage where you start to ask other adults, like, is that that I've lost my kid? It's when you get the pins and needles in your fingers, right? Like the adrenaline starts going. I'm not saying that she's kidnapped per se, but if you were just have seen a fluffy haired child, would you tell me? Oh, no, no, I totally know where she is. I'm just, you know, I'm quizzing you. So... You know, a couple of minutes go by and adults are looking and yada, yada. And what we see coming from the distance is Jonathan, first of all, in his helmet, on his bike, riding like the wind. Behind is his sister, also in a helmet, on her ATV. And then finally, in the back of the, uh, back of the ATV, standing up, Hair flowing backwards is Julia screaming, faster, faster. <laughs> so I have just gone from being the parent who doesn't know where her child is to her parent, to the child who's, you know, just standing on the back of a motorized vehicle without a helmet, um, you know, ready to play Mad Max in some type of a Thunderdome movie. So, you know. That's, yeah, but like, that's just how we grew up in the 80s, by the exactly. way. Exactly. <laughs> I used the 80s. I mean, I grew up in the 80s. I don't know. Yeah, I did too. No, I did I too. Okay. No, it's just like, and that's the thing. Like, it does suck that. Uh, so I don't know if that's a funny ha-ha 
story. That's more, that's, that's more what I would call a connecting story because, uh, depending on your audience, like you're a perfect person for that because, you know, we have kids the same age. We know what it's like. We, you know, that's not necessarily a story I would tell to a room, to a group of, you know, millennial non-children people, but that's something weird that's happened to me this week is my child, you know, leading the revolution for Thunderdome babies everywhere. Right. Yes. And this is, this is when you start going, what kind of parent am I exactly? Oh, I'm a shitty parent, but that's okay. I just like, I I embrace it. I'm like, that's cool. Guess what? That's fine. Oh my God. I have to tell you, there are my daughter will say to me, you are the worst mother ever. And I'm like, yeah, probably. (laughs) Okay. And what yeah, else you got? My job is to mess you up and like how, how are you gonna be strong if I'm not a pain in your ass? Exactly. <laughs> I just started watching the Tony Robbins I'm not your guru. Have you seen that? No. Oh my is god, it? well, it's good. It's definitely good. Um, but he talks all the time about like how his mom like totally fucked him up and he would never be the person he is today without that, and how yeah. grateful he is that she was like a crazy person. <laughs> so yeah. I just remind myself in those moments that like I'm just making her into Tony Robbins. It's all yeah, good. I, you know, I try to, I actively think if I can keep the scarring, um, the true scarring things that I do to my children on one hand, like, you know, five or fewer, I've done a great job. Success. Successful. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Let's talk about all the things that they do to scar us, by the no, way. No kidding. <laughs> They're great, but I'm having you know. a day today. Can you tell? I know it's okay. <laughs> no, it's all good. We, we all have days. This is me showing up as my authentic self. I'm having hey, a day. Hi. It's uh, that's why I was like, thank God I am recording this podcast today, and I am going to laugh. Yes, yay! So tell me why you think that comedy can save the world. Well, um, we'll be living in some dark times, Miss Jen, and you know I think at the end of the day, people want to connect. That's ultimately what makes the world go round. And people have been telling stories since the caveman days. And so I think if, I think every day we have a choice to lean into the lightness or to lean into the darkness. And I think you've, you're an excellent example of this as well, because you very much lean into uh, the light. Like I will never forget the photo of you at chemo with your pumps on, like fucking fantastic 10 (laughs) points for Gryffindor. So, um, so really all comedy saving the universe is making that choice to find the light in the situations. And there are shitty situations. And sometimes it's really, really hard to find that light. Um, like uh, our political climate is kind of scary at the moment, but you can, and you should find the light in it. And you should also find, I like to say, even though I like to rag on my kids and rag on my family, um, you know, find the light that's also positive. Like, you know, are you going to tell a kind story? Or are you going to tell a mean story? Um, and, you know, some, and sometimes you do got to tell that mean story. Sometimes you got to pull over your best friends that are just got to get this off my chest, laugh your ass off about something and then, you know, put it to bed. But I think if we all short story long, if we all just choose comedy, you know. Yeah. And like laughter is the best medicine. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, when I was going through chemo and all that, like I, sometimes I would just put in like a ridiculous movie just to laugh my ass off, just to distract myself from thinking all the things and like, you know, just be distracted and and relax. And it's, it's so important. I think it's, I don't know. So what's your favorite, what's your favorite funny movie? Let's share notes. Oh my God. Good question. You know, like there are like the classics, right? Like airplane. Mm -hmm. So funny. Mm -hmm. Um, there's movies like, um, 
like hangover, like, you know, things like that, like just stupid brainless, like neighbors. Did you see neighbors? I love neighbors. Oh my God. So funny. funny. So funny. Pretty much anything Seth Rogen is pretty funny. Yeah. He's Um, he's awesome. Yeah. You know, anything just kind of like all those stupid mindless, like, um, Mm -hmm. um, God, what was that movie? Uh, it was like a, it's almost two years ago now that it came out. It was like Mike and Dave need wedding dates or something like that. Yes. Yes. You want to hear crazy story about that? All right. Hopefully I'm now feeling pressure to tell a story, but hopefully it works out. All right. So we see this movie, right. And we laugh our asses off. It is I mean, Zach Efron doesn't hurt the situation, but it's like a, it's, you know, just being honest, but you know, it's, a, it's hysterical. It's stupid mm. and it's funny and it's predictable, but I don't care. We ate mm. popcorn. We had fun. We laughed. It was great. Mm. So the next day I go with two friends of mine to Williamsburg, Brooklyn. We decide our kids are away at camp and we're going to cool. go, and we're going to have like a day drinking day. Can right? I come too? Oh okay. my God. It was so fun. So fun. So we decided we're going to do this like bar hopping and um, we end up at this random bar. Like I yelped, like, where should we go? That's close to here. Yeah, and we end exactly. up at this random bar and um, <laughs> it's like noon and we're doing jello shots. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's really strange. But anyway, <laughs> um, we're sitting and the bar is empty and we're sitting in this booth and it says specifically in the booth, like if you want to be served, you have to go to the bar. Nobody's, you know, there's no wait yeah. service there. So we're sitting there, we're on jello shot number three, maybe, and the cups are starting to line up. And I say to my friends, oh my God, you guys, we saw this movie last night. It was so ridiculous. You have to see it. We're like crying, retelling the story. As we're doing that, the bartender comes over, which is like strange because there's a sign. This is no bartenders coming to take care of you. And I'm telling the story and the bartender goes, oh, are you talking about Mike and Dave? I feel like I'm getting the name of the movie wrong, but are you talking yeah. about Mike and Dave need wedding dates? I'm like, yeah. He goes, oh, Mike works here. I go, wait, what? what? <laughs> he goes, Mike works here. The guy, there's two brothers that actually wrote this story. It's, a, it's based on a true story. Shut up. They wrote the story, Mike works here. I was like, you're kidding me, right? That was cool. We'd end up at the bar he works at and the guy comes over just as I'm talking about it. Like there's way too many coinkidings, right? So he's like, yeah, he gets in at like seven. So we decide, my girlfriend and I, we're going to go to the bar and we're going to meet him. We're going to come back later. So we went day drinking all around Brooklyn. Love it. We ate at Smorgasburg, stuffed Mm. our faces and then went back in the pouring rain and we met the guy who wrote the movie. Cool. And we were like, I was like, I love the movie. Like I'm genuine. Like I'm being honest. I actually really loved it. That's it was great. Awesome. Was like you're making me so happy right now. So how like weird is that? How the world. That's aligned. cool, man. I dig it. That is very, very, very cool. Isn't that funny? Yeah. So um, I have, I cannot remember how we got on that topic, but oh, oh, <laughs> what, what kind of, so I just really like mindless, funny, stupid yeah. movies. Yes. Bad moms. Yes. Yes. Like, yeah, just mm-hmm. clever, stupid movies. Is there clever stupid thing? movies. I think. Ooh, clever stupid me should be the name of my autobiography. Thanks, Jen. I'm gonna use that. Clever enough. stupid me. <laughs> the Katie Sweetson story. Just as long as you dedicated to me. <laughs> exactly. No, trust me. You win the book, baby. I need a shout out in the book. Yes. <laughs> clever stupid me. I love it. I, I love would it. so appreciate you laughing with me today. And of course. Wait, you know what? I want to know who your favorite comedians are. Oh, good question. So first of all, important life hack, children, um, since you're listening to podcasts, you like things uh, delivered to you verbally, get thyself an Audible account and download some uh, audiobooks by comedians. I love, 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 love it. Um, ones that I can recommend right now that I've been listening to is The Last Black Unicorn with Tiffany Haddish. Um, 
Another one that I have loved recently was uh, Brain Fart. Which one was it? I forget. But at least get the last black unicorn. I'm. By the way, I'm so with you on the Audible thing. I I love listening to books Mm -hmm. from authors when they read their own book. Like that's the way it should be delivered. Exactly. And honestly, like never buy a comics book. Buy buy their book on Audible that you can listen to because that's how you win life. Um, My favorite comics are... Um, I'm really lucky to be part of a very strong comic community in the Chicagoland area. So I love a lot of the comics that I work with. Like Kelsey Huff is amazing. Um, Amy Sumpter is how she's not everywhere is amazing. Um, on the sort of bigger level, if I could sneak into anyone's sort of like be their imaginary shadow, I would like to be Chris Rock shadow because his process is so, so amazing. And I just want to be like a fly on the wall to see how he writes jokes. Um, And if I were to ever run into Leslie Jones on the street, I would weep uncontrollably. (laughs) I would grab her leg and say, mommy, take me with you. (laughs) So that's... I'm I'm picturing that right now. Can't you see it? Can't you see me? I can't unsee it. And the the scary, scary, disgusting thing is that would actually happen and the place would be called... But you know, what a way to go. Somebody's there with their cell phone to take a picture of this, please. What a way to go. So it's all good. (laughs) I love it. Well, thank you for making me laugh today. I needed it so badly. And I hope everybody out there is inspired. Where is the best place that we can find you? We're going to link everything in the show notes, but give us like a quick, if we want to find you right this moment, where are we? Um, First of all, uh, check out my uh, podcast, The Bossy Cluckers at at bossycluckers.com. You can find Mother Clucker stuff at mothercluckerscomedy.com ktspeetzen.com. Uh, K-T is my name, like the letters, and then S-P-E-E-T-Z-E-N. I'm also on YouTube, you know, Instagram and all those places. I'm on too many places. So search yeah. everywhere and you'll bump into me because I'm obnoxious and, and funny. Thank you. Well, Clever thank you and stupid me. funny. Yay! <laughs> thank you, Katie. Thanks for listening to the Shamelessly Feminine Podcast. If you loved what you heard, be sure to leave a rating and review on iTunes so that more women can learn to live a badass life. To learn more about this movement, go to shamelesslyfeminine.com and join our Shamelessly Feminine Facebook group. Until next time, go out there and be the boss of your life.